Welcome to Being an Artist is fucking, fucking killing me. me. Um, me and Corinne are here today with Sammy Smith. Yes. Designer, founder of Soft Focus, which is a luxury loungewear brand. Yeah. In Toronto. I think this is a really great episode because she talks a lot about the importance of having female management and feeling bosses and how it's really different to work with women who are in power and in charge versus working with men Mm -hmm. and her skills as a entrepreneur are very applicable to any artist, anybody that has to do any like self-management. Right. Because what we're learning as artists is that doing admin work is is challenging sometimes to take the time to do it. Budgets suck. Budgets aren't fun. Yep. And you can make the thing, but you also have to, people have to buy the thing. Yep. And your thing has to be sustainable somehow. Right. And I think Sammy puts a lot of great points forwards and uh, she really shares the knowledge that she's learned. Yeah. This past year and a bit. Yep. Um, And she's just super lovely. Yeah, she's great. And a nice lady. (laughs) Yeah. And a designer. And we haven't had one on yet. Yeah. That's an interesting, cool perspective that we would love to hear more about also. Yes. All right. Here we go. Let's go. Um, Tell us a little bit about yourself, Sammy, for our listeners. Hey, so I'm Sammy. I uh, grew up in Toronto. I went to, uh, well, I'm a clothing designer. So I went to Ryerson for fashion design. I was there from 2003 to 2007. And I'd always been interested in fashion as, like, a younger person. I always wanted... I was always creative, but um, I wasn't really, like, an artist. And clothing design was, like, this thing I could draw. And so it it just... That sort of just kept being, like, a habit of mine. And I sort of just applied to fashion school on a whim. My parents just were like, just do it. And I was like, <laughs> oh, okay. And then I got in, which I wasn't expecting to. And so that sort of a happy accident that carved that path out for me a bit. Um, And then, yeah, after I graduated from school, I mean, I've been working pretty steadily in the industry since, since graduating. Um, I moved out to BC for a while and worked for a couple companies there. Who did you work for? Uh, I worked for Aritzia. That was my first job out of school. Um, In like the store or just in like the... In their head office as a design assistant. So that was my, my first like real real fashion job like before that I had been working I worked um at this like lovely ribbon store on Queen Street called called Mokuba I just saw that store yesterday yeah it's (laughs) it's been there for like decades now and it's really services like um the like designers in the city and a lot of like home decor people and like wedding planners and stuff like that it's really high quality dressmaking ribbon from Japan basically I worked there my last year of school and then after, until I got, like, until I moved out to Vancouver. It's so niche. Yeah, it's so it was. Nice. But it was, like, such a delightful place to work. It was very colorful, but it's, like, all white and then, like, the clear racks just filled with colorful ribbon. <laughs> and I met a lot of people in the industry there. Like, my first internship I got because I scrolled our, like, client list and just, like, reached out to people. Oh, so smart. Yeah. That was, that was a good one. And then, uh, yeah, so I was at Aritzia for, I mean, I was only there for about a year. I got to let go kind of quickly. Um, which what I, happened? I normally don't say, say that. I'm, I mean, I was like, 
very green when I got hired there and they were like not necessarily a place that was like into training I would say I was Mm. also put on like a small line that needed that like they ended up kind of getting rid of and I just got moved around and then I I mean really we this whole conversation should start with the fact that I essentially entered my career in 2008 when like the recession happened so I mean that was like the the main sort of thing like companies had been going through this like really amazing growth they were bringing like lots of people in and there was so much potential and then like everything kind of came crashing down and like a lot of companies through like several phases had to restructure and like let people go and stuff like I think every company I have worked at I've I've either gone through layoffs or the company has gone through layoffs while I was there. Yeah. So, yeah. How was working for Ritzia? I mean, it was a great education. In a lot of ways, it was, it's probably like shaped the core of my like sense of, of work in a lot of ways. Cause it was a very like intense kind of competitive environment. Um, and I was, this, I'm like a very laid back person. And I thought you were supposed to not let people see you sweat. And I think they wanted to see you sweat. And I didn't really understand that. I also did not fully understand what a sense of urgency was at the time. <laughs> I will like fully take ownership of that. Because I at the time, I didn't really know what they meant by that. And now being like further along in my career, having managed people, I'm just like, oh, that's, that's what that meant. And I, I just didn't fully understand it. And I think what I just needed was like the time and like sort of mentorship to be able to grow in a space like that. And it just wasn't like going to happen there. And so ultimately I I left after a year and I took, it like broke me a little inside confidence wise, but I think that fear of not taking a job for granted probably has served served me pretty well going forward it's probably increased my general anxiety levels as well but but like yeah I mean I think it's I'm I'm an incredibly hard worker and I always was but now I really know what like you need to put out there because Mm -hmm. right you need to show people that you're hustling yeah and I mean like this whole jump how high thing like it's to I don't, a degree. I don't right? want to work at a place that exists that way. Like, yeah. the reality was, even if that's not how it had ended, that would never have been, like, a long-term job mm-hmm. for me. Right. It's just not the right fit. And I'm actually really grateful for the fact that I've been able to jump around to a few different jobs to see how big companies work, how really, like, small boutique companies work, to see what I like better, where I fit better. Um and it, it, it helps me dream a bit bigger as a small business, mm-hmm. um, having seen how a big company can operate, but also has allowed me to get my hands so much dirtier when I worked right. in small places. Was it super stressful, though, because you'd moved across the country? You had moved to Vancouver. <laughs> you were in a new city. Vancouver's already so expensive, expensive yeah. Yeah. to just be out of a job. Yeah, I mean... I have to say, I, like, handled it pretty well now that I think about it. (laughs) I, um, to be honest, the fact that I'd moved out there, I mean, I was there for, like, about a year, so it wasn't, like, such a short amount of time. 
I had never expected to stay in Vancouver longer than me working at that company. I didn't okay. like it enough there to do that. It takes so it takes about a year before you feel like you belong in a new city anyways. Mm-hmm. So I was just like getting to that point. Yeah. Um, if not longer, really. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but I had met my my boyfriend who I'm still with and I was and I, I just like felt like I'd still I I still had more to discover in Vancouver, so I decided I wanted to stay. We hadn't even been dating for that long. I didn't. I was young and naive and was like, if we move in together, it doesn't matter. Maybe we'll just break up. It's fine. <laughs> um, Logic. But I immediately was like, well, I got to get out of my apartment. Can I move in with you? He was like, okay. And uh, But it all worked out in the end. <laughs> and so after I left Aritzia, I gave myself like, um, I think, well, I took about eight months off. I, I was on EI, which was kind of nice. I did a lot of yoga during that period <laughs> of time. And I had never taken time off to go travel. It was something I really wanted to do. Um, so I, I met, I saved up. I went to Europe for six months on my own backpack. And I came back to Vancouver after that and got a new job in fashion. Wow. At a smaller company that I really liked working at for a while. Oh, what company was it? Uh, it was a, they're not really around anymore. Like again, with the sort of continuation <laughs> of 2008, um, it was a, they were sort of this, like they started in the early 2000s. They were kind of this like snowboard post skate sort of like streetwear brand, but it was very like West coast Missy kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, it was called Orb, Orb Clothing. They made, like, a lot of, like, like graphic hoodies and tees and um, just, like, casual wear. That's always sort of been the space I ended up in as, like, a designer working for other people. Um, and they were just, like, a small office. I think when I started there, there were maybe, like, maybe 15 to 20-ish people in the company. And um, they had a men's line with a designer and a graphic designer and a women's line, which I worked with that had a lead designer and a graphic designer. And I got hired on as like a junior designer for Mm -hmm. the women's line. And it was so great because like literally the first day the designer was like, okay, we're really busy. Like we need you to design stuff. And I was like, wow. Okay. (laughs) Cause at Aritzia, big company as a design assistant, like you're really like an assistant to the designer as opposed to designing. Yeah. And that's fine. You got to learn all that stuff and do all that stuff. But it was just so exciting to immediately be part of the creative process there. When you're an assistant, you're not really like creatively fulfilled though. No, I was like counting down the days till I had spent the like right amount of time at the job to then move on to something that would be more creatively fulfilling. Um, And that was kind of what you got at Orb? Yeah, yeah, completely. I, because the other thing I will say for with a small company, and this is not, I mean, you can, I'm sure people have this experience at bigger companies as well, but for me, if you show initiative or you're excited about something, like chances are they need somebody to do that thing. And right. if you show that you're capable and interested, like they'll let you do it. Um, And so that's what I got to do there. Like, I mean, you know, I take on little things here and there within like the overall line uh, of apparel, but you know, they had a bag collection at the time that pretty much every designer had gone through. It was always a headache. They needed somebody new to like take it on, like some unsuspecting victim. (laughs) (laughs) 
And, and I was like, yeah, I'll design a bag collection. Um, and I like worked so hard on it. I stayed super late finishing under deadlines and like, it never got produced because our manufacturer went out of business. And then like, but I still, I had like developed this thing and they had sort of guided me a little bit through the process of being able to put it all together. Like both from like a design creative perspective, as well as like the sort of business side of like, mm. well, this is our budget. This is what we project we're going to sell. We need this, this many of this kind of thing and this many of this kind of thing. And this is how you sort of put the budget and plan together. And like, I don't know, I was like 24, 25 or something. Like I do that now. Like I need, like I, I love being able to learn that. Would that company own those designs, even though it wasn't produced now, though? Yeah. I mean, whenever you, I mean, at a smaller company, the contracts are a little shorter. At a big company, your contracts are like 30 pages long. Um, when you work for another company, the designs are theirs. And that's that's fine. Like, I'm, I'm not there because I want to, like... No, exactly. go make those. I'm sure like now if I wanted to make those bags, it wouldn't be a problem. I was just wondering but... how it worked if it was similar as like if you would own, they own the designs and you can't really produce. Similar to like songwritings, what we were talking yeah. with oh, Galen about. I see. Um, yeah, no, they, whenever you're designing for another brand, it's usually like explicitly like stated that like essentially the creative work you do for them is their, their yeah. property. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Are there like non-competes in those kind of contracts as well? So you can't go work for someone else right away or design for someone else right away? Um, depends on the company. Okay. Non-competes, I'm told, are kind of bullshit unless they choose that they want to sue you or you're very important. Um, but I, I've had to sign those in the past, mm-hmm. um, but only like only at bigger companies and only... I was so junior, it wouldn't have really mattered. Like The reality is like they can't keep you from having your livelihood, ultimately. Sorry, that's probably not the point of what you were asking. <laughs> Excellent point, though. But, yeah, yeah, totally. Like, but, that. Um, gonna... Yeah, I mean, they, those do exist in, in contracts. Right. A lot of the time, though, I mean, I think especially because they are hard to, like, prove in court. Right. Um, they try to, I think Trump companies try to limit it to really their most, like, immediate competition. Right. Yeah. But, and, the, yeah, that... And it, people high up in the company... Right, that would take over business or... Yeah, well, I mean, one of the things that it does make it kind of relevant within the fashion space is that you work so far in advance on collections that, Mm. you know, depending on, like, how technical a product you make or whether you're developing your fabrics yourself, you know, you can be working, like, 18 months to a year in advance of a, a season. And so if you're to leave a company, you're leaving with, like, information that the world hasn't seen yet right. mm. and so um if you were to say go from somewhere like an aritzia to an urban outfitters like that can be you know problematic for people if yeah. you're taking that information with you so that's what they're ultimately trying to protect and i think usually the window that they have is sort of related to that time frame a little bit okay that's my generous explanation of why those <laughs> exist but sorry yeah. that was Kind of maybe a heated question. That I no, not really. Like, I mean, it's funny, though. When I, I went and worked at another big company and I asked if they had a non-compete and they were like, why would we have one of those? They're not, like, legal. So, you know, everybody's oh. perspective is ah. different on it. Wow. So it's when did so you move back to Toronto? Interesting. Um, so I was at Orb for two years. Um, I could I could smell that things were not going well there. Um, 
because they it as a smaller company that sold to boutiques like wholesaled versus sold in their own stores i think it took a little longer for the recession to sort of hit their business and uh yeah so i i started um thinking about new jobs and um i like was con- confused about staying in vancouver going back to toronto i knew i always wanted to end up back in toronto um so i applied to some jobs in vancouver and in toronto and for some reason i just like really really wanted to work for joe fresh i i had been working at this this company orb this small company we were trying to make like a down jacket that we could sell at like a reasonable price point and it was so hard we couldn't use like good quality fill we had to sell it for like a wholesale like $130 or something like that and then I bought this packable down jacket from Joe Fresh for like $40 and I was like <laughs> I need to understand how this is made <laughs> and so I had a friend who had been working there for a long time so she connected me to their HR and I ended up getting hired really quickly and moving to Toronto in the summer of 2012. Wow. Yeah. How do they make affordable down jackets? Uh, they make a lot of them. <laughs> they don't put a lot of details. Oh, maybe this is the stuff I want to <laughs> cut out. Um, let's just say they make a lot of them. <laughs> and uh, yeah, they make a lot of them and they don't put a, a ton of investment in, say, like research and development for their mm. product. Um and like they're, you know, they, they work with like, it's all like a, a puzzle. You're sort of like, okay, I, you often work back from a price point in a way. So if you know something needs to retail for a certain amount, you kind of like figure out what quality of fabric you can use. How many of them do you have to make to like get the price you want? You negotiate kind of hard, which I learned to do mm-hmm. there. Um, and you don't like have nice branded trims on things. Basically right. that's how, that's <laughs> how they did it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, so you, how long did you work at Joe Fresh? And from Joe Fresh, did you um, start your freelancing right away? Yeah. So I was getting real antsy at Joe Fresh. I was, a, they called the position there a product developer instead of designers. They didn't really have designers in their Toronto office. And product development basically means 80% production maybe if you're lucky Mm -hmm. 20 percent, a little bit of creative work and the way things were starting to move there that little carrot of creative work was like definitely disappearing and I wasn't there was no way I was going to ever work hard enough there to get a creative position that was going to make me happy um so I tried to be a person who didn't care about their job for a little bit and that didn't work out because I'm not that kind of person. I care a lot. Um, and so I, I just was like, if there's ever a time to try going out on my own, it's now. I didn't want to just go to another company that would just be like a replica of my experience at Joe Fresh. It's like same shit, different pile to be mm-hmm. pretty honest. I'd like, it's like the devil, you know, and I want, I always kind of choose the devil I don't know. <laughs> and so... Um, I, yeah, I decided I was going to start freelancing and I also kind of thought I wanted to become a food stylist because I love cooking and cooking had become my creative outlet 
while working. Oh, okay. And in fashion, yeah, especially at Joe Fresh, but also before that as well. It's just like an interest and like love of mine. I like love food and I really love cooking. I don't make clothes very often myself. Mm -hmm. I find the process of sewing and drafting so long and labor intensive. And with food, you just like make a thing and it's like done and then you get to enjoy it. <laughs> it's immediate satisfaction. Yeah, yes. it yeah. is. It's just like so much more immediate. Like I, if I was a sculptor, maybe I'd like feel similarly or yeah. something like that. Um, but yeah, so I thought I wanted to become a food stylist. So I actually got really lucky and through like, I, I, I totally believe a little bit of fate got connected with um, a jewelry designer based out of Toronto named Jenny Bird. And um, she was looking for a technical designer freelance right when I was getting ready to leave um, Joe Fresh. And so she hired me on like maybe, I mean, a few weeks probably before I left. Mm -hmm. And uh, I had that kind of lined up, which made the whole thing feel a lot more comfortable. Although, honestly, my confidence levels were like so high when I left <laughs> So I was like, oh my God, this is the best. I already have this thing lined up. This is going to be so great. And it, as soon as I left and started realizing how little money I was going to be making, I got a little stressed out and like <laughs> depressed, but you know, ebbs and flows. Yeah. But I also wanted to explore this like food styling thing. So I, um, started like, uh, doing posts for this like uh, lifestyle site, like food, like um, like developing recipes and like little like how to guides for how to make them for this site called Britain Co. And uh, I started working as a, a baker part time at Bunners in Kensington Market. That's and so cute. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I learned I didn't want to become a baker because it's really hard work, like really <laughs> hard work. And uh, every time I thought I was ready to like ditch fashion and jump into the food styling thing. Like I was like, okay, you know, I'm going to like quit the, I'm maybe going to leave this part-time job and I'm going to just like allow myself some time to find some stylists to assist. I would find a contract for some kind of new fashion job and immediately be like, well, this might be the one. <laughs> <laughs> and I, so I'd kind of kept getting reeled back into it until ultimately I kind of am where I am now. Okay. <laughs> so what made you want to start uh, Soft Focus? Um, the idea had been like percolating almost as soon as I started freelancing, just because yeah. like the freedom to think about what you might do on your own sort of opens up a bit more. Mm -hmm. um, and I always, I like immediately was like, I want to make fancy pajamas. I don't know why. I'm like naturally. My dream. <laughs> <laughs> it's my dream too. <laughs> Um, but I, I've naturally always been a homebody, like a lazy couch potato type of person in my downtime. Mm -hmm. Um, like I, even in university, I had, there's this photo of me that my roommate took when we were in university. I had like gone into my room. We were like out, I think my boyfriend of, at the time was like in our living room with her. They were, we were all watching TV together. I went into my room to get something and they like came in like 20 minutes later and I was just like asleep on my bed. <laughs> and they, they took a photo of it and I'm just like, that's like me. It's just asleep. <laughs> <laughs> that's just who I am. And I also just like, I did, I've always been kind of practical about how I have approached 
my aesthetic and and the design stuff I'd want to do on my own and I liked the idea that I want to do one thing and I want to do it really well and so sleepwear was a sort of like nice little niche capsule I could do I also love wearing collared shirts so it sort of like fit into that I always like feel like my best version of myself in like a crisp collared shirt like I'm wearing one today from my <laughs> new collection because like that that's really like part of where it also kind of came from it was like my love of like a good shirt with my like casual lifestyle <laughs> um but yeah so sorry the idea started like immediate kind of immediately and it was mostly like a joke thing that I would think about and then the more I worked as a freelancer for um other small businesses, a lot of female run businesses for the first time, because a lot of bigger businesses are usually run by men. Um, maybe middle management or upper management is, is women, but, um, the companies usually are owned by men and, uh, society. Yeah. <laughs> don't, get me, don't get me started. Um, <laughs> but like, it was really inspiring. Like Jenny Bird is like one of my mentors. She's like, a dream dream woman she's got a studio down in like the kind of like fashion district area um i'll show you her stuff after the podcast it's lovely i'm like am i wearing anything today no um but yeah watching her and her business explode after i started working with her not because of me because (laughs) of like just the trajectory of her business has been so amazing i haven't worked with her in a couple years but like when I started, she had just hired on somebody to help with like logistics and shipping who's still there. It was her and her husband and a few contractors like myself. She has like 15 people in her, 20 people in her office now. Like her, it's, it's so amazing. So like getting to work with somebody like her and like see how she's built a business and that it's possible to do it. And like really all it takes is doing it. And I have an advantage because I actually like have a background in it to a degree. Mm-hmm. I'd also worked with like some small startupy things where like the people had no idea what they were doing and they were still like crazy enough to start a business. <laughs> and I was like, why am I honestly like ultimately what came to fruition was like I could either get paid not a lot by other people to help them build their business or I can pay myself not a lot to, yeah, to build my own. And, um, that's where I was sort of, that's like essentially like the emotional arc, I guess, <laughs> of, of starting soft focus. Um, that, that's what sort of pushed me. And then I, I had sort of had this like kind of dream, um, contract it was my last job before I started this full time with this, uh, kids activewear company in Calgary. It was like the greatest job. I loved the owner. I had fun working on the product. I was like a lead designer, I felt very like... Did you live in Calgary? No, I worked remotely for them from Toronto, and I'd just fly out there every once in a what while. What was it called? I was called Triple Flip, and it was like for tween girls um, who were like active. It was sort of like, um, yeah, like for gymnastics dancers, and it was like really about catering to them at this like age where they're sort of transitioning out of childhood into their sort of like teenage selves. So it was like the ethos of the brand was also as much about like helping develop like the self-esteem of like these girls as it was like just dressing, outfitting Mm -hmm. them for their activities. It had a very beautiful concept. It was a very lovely team of people. Um, I, I got quite like friendly with the owner. Like we still are in touch and 
it was inspiring. Also, working with her was really inspiring to me because she, we had a really similar personality. She's very, like, calm. Um, she's, like, a gentle person. And it was very rare that I was working with people in more senior leadership that had that. Um, I, like, I always had nice managers, but, like, Yeah. Um, and so it was so nice to see a woman who sort of like resembled my personality being like in charge of company, like this was her company. Right. And so that was like very inspiring as well. It's like, Oh, like you don't have to just be this like prototypical alpha Mm -hmm. like person. Um, you can have like empathy and emotion and that's part of your strength Mm. and all that. So that was really nice. They unfortunately had some difficult times as well contract ended and I literally the contract ended I was taking a week off on like vacation to try and write my business plan for soft focus I'd already started doing some sampling was still planning on trying to get it launched for the holidays of 2017 but um I like had spent that week not writing my business plan (laughs) (laughs) and I got the call that they were ending the contract and I was like okay universe noted and yeah. uh, I right, gave my <laughs> yeah I had managed to save up some money that I'd like ideally would have loved to have like a job like a part-time job while I was starting this and that money could only be used for the business but I had enough to sort of support myself for like about four months plus get the first collection off like up and running and off the ground um and I just I gave myself that time to do it see what happened and then it was successful enough for me to keep going and stay full time on it. Mm-hmm. So that's where I am now. Wow. Yeah. Um, journey. Yeah. <laughs> that, is, that is quite the journey. Right. Yeah. <laughs> every, <laughs> I just want to point this out. Every company you worked for went out of business. No, <laughs> no, not every. Not Joe Fresh, not Not Joe Fresh, not Hershey. She is still not, there. I mean, I also like work. Selling 400 I also work for shirts. <laughs> Yeah, anyways. Yeah. Look, it's a tough industry. It's oh, funny 100%. because like retail's going through this crazy time right now as well. And it's not the recession, it's just like the world is changing and the way people buying stuff is changing. Like that's actually why it's exciting now. There's a lot of companies hurting that are not doing things right or not able to catch up. As a small business, it can be very hard to keep afloat and like when things are tough, like just having that like extra cushion to be able to change and maneuver as mm-hmm. things shift. It's an exciting time to be a small new business. I might be able to become part of whatever the new version mm-hmm. of like, you know, fashion and retail is. Where do you think like retail is going in this shift and who's, how are people falling behind? Well, I mean, it's a lot of, it's like sort of stuff that is maybe kind of obvious, like shop, online shopping. Right. Um, you know, us millennials want to buy experiences, not things. So right. we're, we don't like buy cereal anymore. And like mom and dad are angry about it. Like that's like, so I think the companies that are still trying to sell us cereal are having trouble. Mm-hmm. Does it, has anybody read that article about how millennials don't eat cereal? Okay. So it's maybe not a great analogy, but <laughs> Um, yeah, like I think people who are trying to sell consumers now, the same thing that they've always done in the same way that they always have are hurting because people don't want the same thing that they used to want. They don't want as much of it and they want to find 
better ways of acquiring it. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, I think it's like department stores are hurting because people don't really shop at department stores anymore. Um, Fast fashion is maybe starting to like hit some roadblocks for the first time in a while, which is very nice, I think, (laughs) only because the habits of consumers that fast fashion has formed in us is really unhealthy for ourselves and the planet. Um, and, uh, I think people want to like, feel like even with like a big in theory, like faceless company, I think people still want to feel like there is like a heart and soul to what they're buying now, Mm -hmm. at least for certain kinds of things. And, um, companies that aren't like able to either authentically have that story or tell that story, um, in an engaging way, I think are are just struggling in the market. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. People um, care a lot where stuff comes from. Yeah. Your yeah. stuff is only available online or are you, do you sell to boutiques who then? Yeah. So I, I'm taking an omni-channel approach to mm-hmm. my distribution. Uh, initially when I started, I was like, yeah, Everlane, just sell online. Um, direct to consumer, cut the middleman out. Sounds great. Um, it's very hard to get people to buy things off of your website as a very small self-funded brand. Yeah. Um, so I always knew I would have to get the product out into people's like lives in real life. Anyways, initially I didn't think that was going to be as much through working with boutiques. It was going to be more like events and pop-ups and stuff, but I really also see the value in working with stores. Um, as both a way to like get the product out there, but also to like, um, create relationships, create like. relationships and also like help, like allow other people to tell the story of the clothes. Like, mm-hmm. um, that's like really exciting for me. So I'm being really strategic with the kinds of stores that I'm approaching. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so I also sell, um, I'm in a few boutiques in Toronto right now, which is very exciting. I launched the brand in my friend Danielle um, Supa owns Souvenir Studios on College, uh, which is the loveliest shop. And she like designed my logo and stuff like that and is a great friend and support supporter of Soft Focus. So I like always knew that that was going to be carried at her store mm-hmm. as well. So it was, it's been there since the beginning. Would you ever open up your own store or you just are more focused on designing it? I mean, sh- down the road, sure. Uh, right now, a uh, physical space doesn't feel like super necessary. Yeah. Um, I'd love to, like, the dream, the dream dream would be to have some kind of, like, live workspace where I have, yeah, I mean, always the dream, (laughs) yeah but, like, in the set, maybe, like, downstairs is, like, a showroom studio store, and, like, I get to just, like, live above it, because I don't need that much separation from my work life. I would love my commute to be one minute. Yeah, (laughs) one minute. So yeah, that would be, that would be a dream. Yeah. I think like, I mean, it depends. I I fluctuate between having very grandiose dreams for the brand and then trying to understand if that's really the life I would want to live. Right. Um, so what does that mean in that regard in terms of like the size and capabilities of the brand? But I mean, I think any tools to, you have to like, like share your story and your work is Great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, as like a consumer, do you, f- and I mean, you may not even buy other type of loungewear, but do, do you? 
I mean, I did as research. Yeah. I was, well, that's what <laughs> my question is. Is it hard for you to look at loungewear now without a biased opinion? Oh, I already had a biased opinion. <laughs> Right. That's also why I started this. But also as a designer, like I can't go shopping the way most people go shopping. Like Mm. the way I go shopping, it's really hard for me to not like look inside a garment and gauge like process and value and quality in different ways, I think, than Mm -hmm. um, maybe somebody's just like doesn't know about like different kinds of seams would. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but, uh, I mean, a big part of, I wasn't somebody who actually actively wore pajama sets. I was, I mean, part of this is a reaction to like my like slovenly ways at home (laughs) where I, I was working from home. I did not get the memo that one needed to create structure in their life as a like freelance work for yourself kind of person to like two years in. So I would be like in my pajamas, like, meaning what I wore to bed that day, like, all day, like, did I remember to brush my teeth and wash my face in the morning? I don't know. My, <laughs> my poor partner, who, like, we live together and both work from home together, would just have to, like, see me in my, like, like underwear and, like, old t-shirt and my laptop on the couch, like, every day. It's, like, yeah, so I... <laughs> I, I vibe that on such a personal level. <laughs> <laughs> and that that's just like, I mean, that's most of our lives. Yeah. yeah. And that's and that's cool. Like, I still wear that stuff around the house. Old kokanee t-shirt that has holes in it. <laughs> I have this, um, I got it as a hand-me-down when I was a little kid from my mom's friends, like, older teenage daughters. And they would give, like, I got, like, a Tiffany tape as well from this, like, box and stuff. Um, so I've had it since I was, like, seven years old. And it's a the Jackson's victory tour t-shirt. It used to be down to my knees. Sleep shirt. It is now not. And I have like a Jackson on each boob and <laughs> I still have that. Like I wear stuff like that around the house. Right. Um, but like the other thing was like getting dressed for my day meant something different than it ever had when I was like, had a job in an office or just like a job out mm-hmm. in the world. Um, so I wanted to practice being a person who wore these kinds of clothes at home before I actually started making it myself. One to sort of like see, I wanted to see how it felt to wear these things. So I bought a few different brands of, of like nice loungewear and like pajamas and stuff, um, partially to get inspired, partially for the experience of it. Um, and in wearing those things and realizing what I wanted, that's sort of where I had like a really, really specific idea of what I wanted by the time I was like pen to paper designing stuff. Uh-huh. And what was that? Um, I wanted pockets on things. <laughs> pockets in the pants. Yeah, like please. such a simple thing. Um, I had a pair of pajama pants that were like a basic cotton, like really, really classic pajama style. Um, but instead of having like an elasticized waist, it just had a drawstring. So you tend to do it every time you wanted to like take them on and off, which I found annoying. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I found that the shirts were often, um, they never have cuffs on the sleeves. Like a traditional pajama shirt has like a kind of wider sleeve, wider cuff with like the piping detail or something. And so like, I'd be trying to like wash the dishes and you can't really roll those up. They always just fall down, especially if they're made out of like a slinky material. Um, so that real cuffs needed to be on the table Um, I also wanted to be able to wear it out of the house and not feel like I was wearing a costume because 
pajama dressing is like very trendy right now and like people are making non-pajamas that look like pajamas so you can wear a full outfit and that's like really fun and fashion and great um but I wanted to keep it like a little bit more like I just want you to see the woman like that's very important to me and uh that's really what I wanted when I designed the core and the core collection is like very like simple and minimal but it's just sort of a starting point for where it can kind of all I'll go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, you worked with two vis- visual artists? Yeah, I've worked with two artists so far. So I also kind of to like a little bit to pad out the collection because it's so small. I have a lounge pant, a lounge shirt, and a robe. I offered it in three colors for the holidays. Like they're all kind of subtly color blocked. I, was in, I had like a, a Canadian tuxedo sort of concept going into it. Mm-hmm. Um, which is continuing forward into into fall this year. Mm-hmm. But um, I wanted to bring an artfulness into the collection. And since I'm not in a place yet where I can maybe develop my own prints for fabric, um, and I'm not really an artist myself, I really... W- and actually starting a business, one of the most exciting things I've gotten to do is collaborate with people. Right. Um, I just really wanted to bring that into the story of the brand. So uh, Lauren Tamaki is an illustrator based out of New York, who is an old friend of mine. We went to Ryerson for fashion together, and she's just so talented. I love that shirt, that like artist shirt that uh, she made. The, I'm now officially calling it the Lady Tea. It's beautiful. Thanks. Yeah, and so I I just kind of like gave her an idea of like what I was thinking about. Um, I had like been. I've been inspired by like a couple brands that were just doing these like very, they weren't working with artists. I think they were developing themselves, but they just had like a, there there were a lot of art references in the graphics and it just like, you know, it has like a bit of a, oh my God, am I going to name the wrong artist on an art podcast? Um, is it Matisse? Yeah. Like the Matisse, the Matisse, like. Uh, uh, collage like cutouty sort of like figures right mm-hmm, maybe yeah. and like Ellsworth Kelly sketches of flowers and I'm like Eve's Klein Blue is like my spirit color <laughs> um, and that was sort of like what I kind of gave to Lauren and then like the ethos of the brand and she just like came up with a few really like she has this very like effortless style to her um, her work and she just came up with these like lovely sketches and, uh, yeah, put those out on t-shirts and they've been really like well-received and they're really great. And my sister keeps saying she sees people wearing them on the street and I'm like, that's amazing. Um, yeah. And then who's this collection with? So this new collection, which I, I literally just released yesterday. So this will not be yesterday when you hear this on the <laughs> podcast, but, um, is with an illustrator. Well, she's like a really multidisciplinary artist named Melody Hansen. And we met at a market that we both did together um, over the holidays last year. And um, I'd been wanting to do more artist tees, and she wanted to find new ways to get her art on clothing and different mediums. And so we decided to like come together and work on this. Uh, so we kind of came up together with some concepts. She sketched. We decided how they were going to work on the clothes. She wanted to do more than just a graphic tee. And I'd been collecting these vintage men's shirts just to sort of like complement the collection. I liked the idea 
both from like an eco perspective and like a style perspective of selling vintage along with the loungewear. Mm. And um, where did the, you get your vintage stuff? Just all over Toronto? Or? I found a vintage wholesaler. So I went picking, which was exciting. Um, I'd always wanted to do that. I didn't know it was such a thing. Yeah. I mean, I go to like a wholesaler that kind of pre-edits their pick. So it's still a warehouse, but they sort of have it organized and they kind of like pick the best from like the really big warehouses. Um, So it makes it a little easier for me. Uh Um, Yeah. And I just like, I literally are all like blue and white striped shirts because I'm very (laughs) consistent with what I like. Um, and then, um, we put, had Melody sketches turned into embroidery designs and had them embroidered on the shirts. Um, and then, cause it's something I was sort of curious to explore with the core lounge collection as well. And I had some shirts that had been moving kind of slowly. So I, we took some of the embroidery and we embroidered, um, the wink embroidery on the cuffs of one of the Those lounge shirts, They're which cool. is my favorite. Yeah. It's my I favorite one. one. Yeah. So, and I think that's going to, that I, what's so exciting about this is now I think that might be something I can carry forward into future collections and stuff. Um, the idea of like adornment in this way on mm-hmm. it. So that's kind of exciting. Totally. Yeah. Um, what was the hardest thing for you, like taking this leap of faith with other people and collaboration? In the collaboration part? Yeah. Oh my God. I don't think anything was that hard about it. <laughs> no. <laughs> to be honest, I mean, I guess the hard part is that in general, I do all the executing. For, mm-hmm. So, like, pl- managing that is a lot of work. And, I mean, the the sort of marketing side of it is the newest part of all of this to me. I've always had a sensibility for it, but, like, actual strategy and execution of it, I mean, is always, like, a little stressful. And I'm a one-man show, so right, it's a lot. That would be the hardest part. But the collaborate, I've always found collaboration easy, like, Working as a designer in companies, you're always working with other people. You're never, this is the most independently I've ever had to create anything mm-hmm. since school. So, um, yeah, no, it's all been great. What's hard about working with yourself then? <laughs> oh, self-doubt like and anxiety, like for sure. Um, like when the shirt, like you were saying that shirts, one shirt was like moving slow. Yeah. Was there self-doubt in that specific item or was it? Yeah, sure. I mean, I'm, I'm not making that colorway again. No. <laughs> Nobody bought it. <laughs> I didn't take it too personally. No. I, it's more from a financial perspective. You're like, I gotta sell stuff. Um, <laughs> but no, it's like all kind of, I mean, I try most of the time with like my business hat still on to like see it all as like a very fun, creative experiment that just happens to be a, a business. Um, and interestingly enough, and I, I knew this would be the case going into it, because even when you work for a big company and lots of people do lots of things for the brand, um, you still don't spend all of your time creating. Like, that's just not possible. So I don't actually spend a ton of time designing. I mean, I, I actually am now starting to get to a point where I would like to carve out more time to do that because I'm starting to develop new styles and get getting like a little bit more creative with like fabrications and Mm -hmm. color and stuff like that but the business is sort of the thing I'm creating right now and that has surprised me in how much actually maybe it hasn't surprised me how much I love that (laughs) but it that's like I feel like my creative energy 
is just going into like this vision and executing this vision of this, this business I want to create. I mean, I sometimes even feel creative in Excel because like it's new and so it's like challenging and I'm learning how to like manage cash flow and <laughs> it feels like a this like really significant thing that because I have to strategize like it's totally. all creative design thinking in a way so yeah um did you see yourself as an entrepreneur and as like a self-starter all uh, from the beginning from the beginning of starting the business or like in my life like as a designer Going to no, school was it no. ever thought? I'm sure it was when I first started school. I but like no, I didn't have a lot of ego. I had a very <laughs> I like um I had a lot more self doubt than ego for sure when I was in school. Um no, I thought that the and I honestly like up until starting this thought the dumbest thing you could ever do was start a clothing business. It's so expensive. It's like so hard to make it and I want, and you have to do things that aren't just the creative stuff. So you have to do the stuff that's not familiar. Right? Yeah. And I thought I wouldn't like that as much as I do, I guess. So, um, yeah, but, um, no, I, I, I really, well, I think what I had actually just hoped was that I would find a company that would feel like a great fit and I'd be able to grow into a creative leadership role within that company. Like that was really my goal. I just couldn't find that company and so you uh, create it for yourself. Yeah, yeah. I really like that's That was part of the feeling was just like, you know what? I don't think I'm going to find that at somebody else's company. I think I have to create that for myself and maybe I'll get to create that for somebody else. And I really wanted to be a, like a, a, a female business owner in mm-hmm. this space. Mm-hmm. Cause I just, and I, and it, that is the part of what makes me want to think bigger is just like, I want there to like, I want to be like a, a female CEO lady boss. That's just like <laughs> making it possible for other women to do the same. Yes. Cause the experience of working for, for women in power is different mm-hmm. and it, it can sometimes it can be different in not good ways. I think sometimes when they're working in a more traditional corporate environment that can bring out some of not the best qualities sometimes, or some of not the most open, um, nurturing qualities in people. But, uh, I think there is a real opportunity to change the way businesses are run. And I think part of that comes from having different kinds of people in charge. So totally. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Has it been an hour? Yeah, Yeah, it has actually. (laughs) I was just saying, oh my gosh, because that like ended on, well, didn't end, but that was like a perfect note to uh, end it on. Oh, great. Um, I feel like I didn't even start to talk about how hard it is to be an artist. How hard is it to be an artist? Is it killing you? Is it killing you? No, it's making me thrive. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But you realize that your like creative gears are kind of shifting. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also a lot more confident as a designer now. I realized it was actually hard for me initially to design on my own because I was so used to having to run designs by other people mm-hmm. um, or at least share them with other people before they'd get like approved and stuff. And so re- like it did take a little while before I could go, oh, like I just need to be okay with this and then we can make it. And so I think sometimes the gravity of that 
has been difficult because like they're not just creative decisions. They become like financial decisions and stuff like that, that could make or break a business. I'm like, can be very scared of doing the wrong thing. Mm -hmm. There's like that unhealthy perfectionist sort of mentality that I have sometimes. Um, but I like, it's just a muscle. You just like work it and it gets easier. Has there been a, a certain moment, maybe like when the first things, the first item sold out or has there been any moment where you've been like, Oh, this is okay. Mo- mo- a lot of the moments have been like that. Um, I think like the first, the, the market where I met Melody was the first day I ever sold anything. And that, I don't even think I sold that much, but I was so thrilled. It was such a great day. I think mostly my friends bought stuff for me. (laughs) Um, But I was like, yeah, this is a business. And then, like, my pop-up went pretty well. And that I I ran after that. And I sold through, like, like maybe 60% of the collection-ish, like, within the first, like, month and a half. Like, because that was, like, the core selling period. And I was like, oh, that seems good. And then when I would tell that to other people or like how much money like that generated, they'd be like, Oh, that's really good. And I was like, Oh, I guess like, I guess this is like a thing. (laughs) (laughs) I just can keep doing this. And then I mean, since then, you know, I didn't really sell much between like January and April, but I also had taken that as time to like keep developing the business. But that started like, as soon as I started trying to sell again and it didn't like go as quickly as before, it wasn't that, I, like, none of this is making me doubt doing this. It's just, like, this this feeling of stress and, sorry, stress and anxiety around that becomes very visceral. Yeah. So, yeah. Have you learned to, like, deal with that in different ways? Or? Yeah. Well, I mean, like, so one of the things that I did kind of in tandem with realizing I wanted to start this business is I started going to therapy. Oh, gosh, yeah. so healthy. Yeah. <laughs> And I really don't know if I would have been able to manage my stress or even like have a better sense of self in doing this had I not. Mm -hmm. So that was a, that was a big tool. Wow. Yeah. And so that's helped me. I think I had like secret anxiety that I just like smushed down so far that I couldn't even acknowledge that it was anxiety. Um, And so once I was actually able to recognize that it makes it so much easier to like, um, manage those feelings when they come up. So that's, that's been good. I think everybody should go to therapy. Oh my God. I don't know why I waited so long. (laughs) I was so proud of myself for not going. And now I'm so proud of myself that I did go. Yeah. Isn't that weird to like be proud of yourself for not like singling you out, but like in general to be proud of yourself. Like I don't have problems. I'm fine. Everything's okay. It's the worst, but that's like, that's just like a, I mean, Therapy has taught me that that is, <laughs> that is just like a like self-preservation sort of coping mechanism kind of thing. So, yeah, vulnerability is good. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Do you have anything you want to plug? Like your new oh, line? Yeah. Okay. So um, I just launched this collection with Melody Hansen. Um, it's online and being sold through our online shop and Garmentory. Um, it's a very limited collection of, uh, vintage men's shirts that have been reworked a bit on fit and embroidered with Melody's art and a new artist series graphic tee with one of her designs on them. And then I'll be launching a small like summer pre-fall collection that'll be coming out in July. 
And then, I don't know, holiday 2018, guys, it's going to be a good one. <laughs> be good. Yeah, go to my website and follow me on Instagram. It is in underscore soft focus and in softfocus.com. Awesome. That was amazing. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you, guys. Um, Gal Pal Prods. Thank you guys so much for listening. Go follow us on Instagram at Gal Pal Prods. DM us. Email us at galpalprods at gmail.com. There's only four more episodes. Oh, we have four more episodes left until we are on a short hiatus. Yep. Um, we're taking some us time. We're, t- we're taking some us time. <laughs> Not really. We're starting we're working. Film. Yeah, we're working. <laughs> um, but we will keep you guys updated on that. Also go to our Patreon account, donate. Also go to iTunes. Please leave a review. That would be amazing. Go follow and like us. Yes. And thank you guys for listening. You're awesome. Bye. Thanks.